Relativity. 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 Hey, this is Lee Shackelford, creator of Relativity. And as you know, if you've been listening to these last few episodes, I've been talking to fellow podcasters and other people involved, uh, particularly in uh, Relativity. Um, but the special treat for me has been to talk to the creators of other shows that I admire. And such is the case this time. I'm talking with the creator of Moonbase Theta Out, one of my favorite, favorite uh, podcasts that's out there, DJ Silvis. So how are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, been a little bit overwhelmed lately getting things ready for our season two launch. But yeah, things are good. Things are good. For people who don't know Moonbase Theta Out, it is... Um, I, I always thought that my episodes were really short, but yours really <laughs> are. Um, it's like a concentrate. It's like you should just add water. Um, <laughs> is there? Am I right? There's like the average episode time is uh, five minutes. Oh yeah, first season it was like I think the longest episode is like six and a half. Yeah. So it is the so for anybody who doesn't know the show, this is the easiest binge possible. Um, spend an hour. And listen to the whole series up to this point. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I would love to know what you think about this. When I started doing relativity, I had I'm such a, an old man now. And I'm and I and my roots are so firmly in classic radio drama. Um, I mean, I was born about the time that the golden age of radio ended. So I always feel like I just missed that. But that's what I know. And that's what I've listened to endless hours of. So I thought about my show coming out once a week and that's how people would hear it, mm -hmm. which is great. But, you know, and it, and it led me to the cliffhangers at the end of every episode, which I think are really important. But, of, but now the vast majority of people who've heard relativity are binging it and they're saying it's a great binge. And I have to admit, I had never thought about what the experience would be like to listen to a lot of these episodes back to back. What was that? Was that in your head when you were starting out with Moonbase or it? It definitely wasn't um, at all like thinking of people binging it. And it's um, kind of funny you mentioned that I was listening to um, the interview with um, Aaron Keon, a creator I like a lot on, on a podcast called Honey Roasts this week. And we, he was talking about that he only binges shows. He like waits until they finish a season before mm -hmm. to listen to anything. And there are a lot of people doing that out there. A lot of yes. people who want, want to wait until there's an entire arc they can experience at once. That's right. And um, I definitely didn't write to that. But it, it's, and, and I was lucky. I, I learned about your show, I guess, after episode two or something. So I, I listened to the first two and then I've been hearing everyone, you know, that has come out on the schedule that has come out. Yeah. So I really haven't yet had the experience of binging Moonbase Theta out, but I would imagine it's, it's very rewarding. Uh, are, what, what's the feedback that you're getting here? It's curious. I mean, I do hear that a lot from people that they like, um, they'll listen to it like on a drive or something and experience the whole thing at once. And I've never done that. I can't really, even though I created a collected, um, file and released it like a few, like a month or two ago of the right. entire season one with the yes. bonus episodes. But even at that, I have never like sat down and listened to the whole thing through like that. And yeah. I wasn't anywhere near as savvy as you were as far as putting cliffhangers or anything. I just sort of ended episodes and I have my little conceit where in season one where Roger was ending every episode with a message to his husband. But um, 
Yeah, I never really thought about people sitting and listening to the entire thing in one go. I feel like it may be a bit repetitive that way. Yeah, I. Well, since I haven't done it, I don't know. But my guess is that it would feel more like um, more like watching waves come in and out because <laughs> um, it, it's it, if it was if it's a, a happy accident and not designed, it is a great one that you have this construction of sort of the the news and the business that I have to deal with, and then I can then Roger can talk to his husband, and those those moments are so sweet and so um, heartfelt that they they remind us of what a of who Roger is as a person and not just the situation that he's in. So so you sort of move from the big story down to the little story and then if you're going to binge it then it goes back to the big story of the moon base and then back down to Roger again and so I uh, I don't know and and you you've been hinting that you've got bigger plans for season 2 at the risk of getting into spoilers. Well, yeah, and it's not really a spoiler to say that um, season two is going to be all like sort of focused on the personal and focused on the like um, connections between people, the relationships between people instead of like since it's covering the same um, ground, basically the same 20 weeks, I figure people are going to know. And actually, I'm planning to um, include with each second series episode links to the um, corresponding season one episodes as well. So people can go back and see the big events if they missed them. But this is going to be more focused on the personal repercussions of them. So, How interesting. <laughs> oh, that is a fascinating idea. And oh. I kind of feel like, um, like you did that in more of a slow burn way than I did. I sort of started out from episode one and was like, okay, I'm going to hit you with a personal bit at, each, at the end of each. But you sort of like got us caught up in the action and then started delving deeper into like the mm. personal background of each character and in really engaging ways. And I'm not sure if that was deliberate or just sort of, you know, realizing that I've, I've made a mistake that I, I chide my students about, about thinking about the situation and not thinking about characters <laughs> the good, that I had the characters in my mind, but I thought, wait a minute, I'm not sharing this with the audience. I should probably, <laughs> we should probably slow down every now and then. So these people can talk about who they are. Uh, which, which is actually something I wanted to bring up with you. Um, something yeah. that I think that is, is a take that you and I might have the other creator chats you've done haven't. Um, we both come from the same sort of writing background. We're both playwrights who have started adapting ourselves to this medium. And I was just about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> good. So yeah, we're, we're playwrights who are also telepaths. Yes. And actually, for I mean, I don't know about you. For me, it's been a really um, sort of gentle transition and it's worked really well for me. Um, I mean, my first season didn't have a whole lot of um, action per se and didn't I didn't really have to worry too much about sound effects or anything. Mm -hmm. But it was really pretty much the same sort of character building, the same sort of dialogue that I write for stage plays. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you, as a writer for the stage, you know that your most powerful weapon is is the spoken word, is the the evolution of a character, and that's what you've been giving us. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I I have felt the um, the the hand of a of a writer for the stage in all this. Um, we, I. I, I I wonder if you had this experience of talking with younger writers that a lot of my, my playwriting students are frustrated because what they really want to do is write movies. Yeah. Is, is that the idea that ideally we want to keep this all on in one time, 
time, space, and action, you know, that they, we, we want the, the play to all take place in one place and maybe all in one day. That drives them bananas, you know, they don't want to do that. Um, and, and doggone, if you haven't told a story that is about somebody sitting in front of a microphone. That's true. It, which should be deadly. That should, you know, <laughs> but certainly in a cinematic sense, that's terrible. But man, it works uh, on radio and uh, as an audio drama. Um, yeah, it's a completely different way of coming across. And I feel like um, although your story is more action driven, that I feel like I can still still mm. hear behind it the, oh, I want to fit all this into something that could be could be portrayed on stage if needed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> although I, I guess uh, I was talking with um, Oz Nine's uh, Shannon Perry about this, that we we both had people say to us, wouldn't your show make a great movie? And we just say. Are you crazy? Um, I mean, no, you're right. We would love to see that. But um, one of the reasons why we do it the way we do it is because it doesn't cost anything. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. that's literally the reason we went into um, audio dramas to start with is we couldn't afford really? to rent theaters anymore. That's right. That's right. And we have the whole world as a potential audience, which is um, not something we, we can always say. So... Now you're you're in you're in Toronto, right? You're in one of the the big yes. cities of the world, and where there's a happening theater scene. Um, yeah, there definitely is, and we did um, we did theater for eight or nine years, um, and it was okay. We didn't lose money, which I think is all you can really ask for sometimes. That's, that's an accomplishment. Um, but then we had one bad bad luck on one production and had to cancel and did lose a pretty huge chunk of our of our operating budget and went on hiatus for a while and we were coming back and I said well let's try something that's got to be cheaper to produce so <laughs> it's been really fulfilling and um I feel like you're right that a, a lot of and not just like students now but I mean a lot of the creators of course are younger than us as well but I think a lot of them are coming from more of a screenwriting background and I think it does make a difference in the way they build their stories. Yeah, not, they, not better or worse, not necessarily, but I can right. sort of see the, the bones being different. That's right. It's, it's just different. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think um, the this sort of explosion of interest in audio fiction on uh, po in podcast form is um, says something good about um, attention span because it requires a, a level of focus that sometimes I wouldn't give uh, a lot of people credit for. And I don't know. You, you you do have to pay attention. <laughs> That's true, and, and um, it's something that again I listen to um, most of my podcasts at work, and so I have to be careful that I don't miss <laughs> things because of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love how many people say that they listen to these podcasts at work. It makes me wonder what in the world are you doing? So <laughs> what, what do you do for a living that you can? Um, yeah. I'm an administrative assistant at an engineering firm, so it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of um, yep. reading over documents and filling yep. out forms and spreadsheets and stuff. So, I mean, there is stuff, obviously, I have to pay, pay attention to. And yes. When the boss I comes guess, to tell you something, yeah. you have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have done that job in the past, and I, you're right. You're, a lot of times you're just at your desk and you've got yeah, stuff on the screen, and nobody's going to bother you for a while. And Yeah, um, our, our friend... Uh, Raymond uh, Ruckland, who I just talked to, uh, I guess, week before last, 
uh, he's a he's an exterminator, or, or I don't know if he uses that yeah, term. So he's he's like best out control, on the road yeah. all the time. Yeah, and I thought, well, that's perfect, man. And he doesn't even have a, a partner who rides with him, so he's out there with his headphones on all the time, and he can go up and say, "Hey, I'm here, ma'am," you know, and then go do his job. And meanwhile, he's listening to apparently every podcast that's out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly seems to you know represent them all and promote them. That's all. it. He's not only he's not only hearing the ball, but he's out there being the cheerleader for us. And I I just I appreciate that so much. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really right. amazing because sometimes it really feels like it's just um, and again, it's sort of a theater thing as well, where it feels like it's all like theater people coming to your shows. It's all podcast people listening to your podcast. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there are a few big promoters out there in the audience that are great. Yeah. And yeah, continually evangelizing. It's uh, it is. It's it's just terrific. I I do have a, an end point for my show. I'm wondering if that's something that, that you've thought about from the beginning. That's a, that was a weird transition, but <laughs> the thought, the thought just occurred to me that that's something I was wanting to ask you about. It's definitely not something I thought about at the beginning because at the beginning I had written the, um, 20 episodes of season one and I intended that to be it. I really oh, intended okay. to just sort of like leave Roger oh. stranded out there. I was going to say something about, um, sort of like, corporations and something about personal isolation and just leave him out there Mm. with that sort of spooky final episode and just all of the like overloaded um, Coleridge references and just leave him out there on his own. (laughs) Oh yeah. Don't let me forget. Poetry is another thing we got to talk about. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, because now you've teased that there's some clearly some very bad things happening on earth and that that's a whole avenue that you could explore in the future if you wanted to, or we can just talk about how this is impacting these, these poor people on the moon. And, uh, um, yeah, I was really careful. Um, one of the things that's important to me as a writer is, um, the, the huge thing for me is verisimilitude, not just in language, but in like what you find out about the world. Yes. And so I don't want, to load things in. I don't want to tell backstory just to tell backstory. I want it to be stuff that the, that it makes sense for these characters to talk about. And so a lot of what's going on on earth is stuff that's been going on on earth for decades. And so they just sort of live with it. But, um, I think they they wouldn't make a point of talking about it because it's the water that they all swim in. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you're going to hear a little bit more in season two. And I think that um, after that, things may focus a little more on how things are changing down on Earth as well in further seasons. But it's definitely not something that I wanted to like sort of take an episode and tell you, oh, here is the entire backstory to my world. Yeah. I feel like enough of it is recognizable as well, because all I did was sort of um, – extend trends that I see happening right now as far as um, politics, as far as environmentalism and everything, and just where I think things are going. And so I think the world is still pretty recognizable. It is. Yeah, I I have not felt... Um, I don't think I've ever been listening to any uh, part of this story and thought, whoa, I wonder what happened there. I know what happened there. (laughs) Uh, And I think I'm hoping that the same thing is true in relativity. I don't think anybody's going to say, wait a minute, they keep talking about how hot it is all the time. What's up with that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Uh, 
I think that's that's loaded in really nicely. What I am hoping that you'll get to eventually is talking about how the hell they came up with that damn relativity compensator. <laughs> that's like <laughs> the big um, yes. unknown for me as I listen to it more. I'm like, okay, so I can see what this is and I can see how important it's going to be to your story, but why did they come up with it in the first place? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's probably time for me to sound my my spoiler warning because if we're going to talk about things that might that do or might happen in the future, so I'll go ahead and put that in here now. Spoilers! 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 And as always, I'll mention that I'm still offering a prize of some kind to somebody who will tell me who that male voice is or or where I got that male voice who is saying spoilers in my spoiler warning. It's a yeah, I'm no help with that. So. Uh, so far, I've heard I've heard a lot of fascinating guesses so far, but nobody has come close yet. And I, I'm telling you, it, this is something that um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people used to hear every week. So I keep dropping hints like that, but it, it's not getting any closer. I am um, fascinated to find out, but I, it doesn't even <laughs> sound familiar to me. So that's great. No, I do I do love it that. A lot of times I come up with trivia questions for for shows like this, and people go, "Oh, everybody knows that." So I finally have a stumper. <laughs> but uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about the compensator. Yes, the compensator. Which, is, which... yeah, which, which I call the double talk generator because yeah, it's <laughs> the, the MacGuffin of your story. It is the MacGuffin. Yeah, and you know, I I uh, I know I, I talked about this on another one of these uh, conversations, but I. I've tried very hard to be realistic about so many things in the show that I really did read a lot about what uh, scientists and what really well-informed speculative fiction writers have thought about a ship that would be that could stay in space with a crew on it for 20 years. You yeah. know, wh- how, what all those things would be like and how they would work. And and all of those kinds of things and to really take all that stuff seriously and the distances and about time dilation and so on and so forth. But the um, the parents send the kids out of the room because mean old Uncle Lee is about to use a bad word. The relativity <laughs> compensator is bullshit. There's just that's the only, you know, part. It's necessary for me to tell the story I want to tell. Oh, yeah, so yeah. They can, but uh, no, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. And, and uh, I really had fun writing the story where, uh, Sophia and Marcus, uh, explain it to Chris and yeah, yeah their explanation doesn't make any sense either, but you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's okay. I, 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 I did have the, uh, the honor and privilege of getting to, um, uh, I never know if I should say right or not because I I pitched stories to Star Trek The Next Generation. I was able to get in the writer's room with the producers and to talk to all these people. And um, some some of my ideas were used without credit. Thank you very much. Um, But but it did mean that I had the writer's guide. You know, they gave me the the writer's guide and the the technical manual. One of the few shows that gave you a whole rule book, you know, when you... (laughs) Oh, went to write imagine. for them. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is. It's it's much bigger than the writer's guide. But page one of both of those documents say this is not a science fiction show about science. This is a science fiction show about people. Yeah. So just tell your story about the people, and we will make shit up to make the science work. Don't don't worry about how warp drive works. It probably doesn't. You yeah. know, don't worry about the fact that a transporter is 
a death machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> impossible and raises all sorts of philosophical questions if it did work. Exactly. But. Yeah, which we are going to bypass and move on. <laughs> One of the things that was in the technical manual, in fact, was that once you have taken somebody apart in the transporter, the only way to put them back together again is if their image has been kept in this in this buffer. Yeah, yeah, and they mention that a lot in the novels. Exactly, right. And there is no way around that. You can't reconstruct somebody who is dead through the transporter. And so, you know, I took that very seriously. And then later on in the next season there, they did it. <laughs> they did it anyway. I said, well, if you, yeah, but you know, if, when you're the one making the rules, you can do whatever you want. So, and it seems to me like you're, you're, you're trying to be really serious about the science too. It's funny because... Um, I didn't. I'm. All, I always sort of cringe when people call my show a um, hard science show mm. because I don't feel like I know anything anywhere near well near um, enough to be like claiming that title. But at the same time, I do. I do a lot of research, and um, I'm just mostly because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. But I do. I do want everything to make sense, at least to me, before I write it. So. Well, I spend a lot of time important. reading about reading about um, what we know about the moon right now, what like the plans are for establishing a possible colony there at some point with the pitfalls. And um, I think the one thing where I do sort of go way um, out of bounds is in my sort of some of my biology talking about the tardigrades. Well, <laughs> and you were doing I, I was hearing that about the same time that uh, Star Trek Discovery was having giant. Oh, tardigrades. yeah. And, Which is pretty uh, amazing. I didn't know that was happening at all. And um, I, I, I figured that that had to be a an annoyance <laughs> to you <laughs> to say, oh, man, they got the <laughs> big tardigrades. I thought I had the big tardigrades. <laughs> so, well, mine not I, that big, but <laughs> not like theirs. No, uh, but, no, I do love. But, yeah, no, that was kind of amusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, I mean, yeah. tardigrades have always been sort of like in my mind associated with space because um, they're like they're one of the proofs people talk to point to of the possibility of, the, of, of like um, life coming from another planet or coming from another place in the galaxy because tardigrades could theoretically survive long, long enough to on like a meteor or something to impact on the Earth and sort of spawn life here. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. They may not have been. They may not be native. Yeah. I my equivalent of that is always, um, you know, when when the first uh, bathysphere went to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, and they found, you know, life forms down there. There were, there were fish and these eels and so on. And everybody knew that nothing can live at that. Yeah. That's with pressure. that pressure. Yeah. That's impossible. But there they were. And so, yeah, that's what I always think of. I always think of these, those eels at the bottom of the, you know, it's, it's whatever it is, seven miles straight down. It's just, you know, it, it. so, so then we look at, um, um, these, these, um, organic soups that we know are, are very likely present on like, the moons of Jupiter and so on. And so it's, it's easy to imagine. Yeah. Um, although again, like I've, handily avoided all of that and assumed um, in my extrapolations that we never got that far in our space travel mm -hmm. because it wasn't profitable. Well, and I feel that's, that's very credible. I mean, that seems to me like a logical thing to have happened in the future um, that's depicted in the, in the show. One of my many like wonders about what you're going to do in your 20 episode wrap up yeah. is whether, is whether we're going to hear anything at all about the like fate of the other three ships. 
spoilers i know you can't tell me that but mm. i'm just really curious or if we even can because i mean one of my private theories about the mm. um about the um relativity compensator is that that's why i mean obviously like i mean i think it's probably like a kind of like assumed thing by most people that that's why, why i mean the reason why these voices are happening but i think that um interesting <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of people assume that, but uh -huh. I mean, I, yeah, think, yeah. I, I think I think the part of the reason why I assume that is because it happens to um, the people on Earth, but it happens to the people on Earth. I mean, in my mind, because I've discovered we've discovered that there are th the other three of them are still down there. Uh, yeah, there so, can't be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't is, know. It, don't. all those things are connected. They absolutely are. <laughs> and uh, it's not I, I don't think it, it's too spoilerific to say that we are definitely going to find out what happened to those other ships. Yeah, because, I mean, the fact that they didn't have the compensator installed means that if we do hear about them, we're going to hear from them way out of skew as far as time goes. Yeah, yeah, it'll have to be way down the line. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, which means everybody has to hang on to like episode 59 to find out what happened. But yeah, I think you had said something on the, the Discord server once, or was it on Twitter? I can't remember very fleetingly about Rainer Maria Rilke. And I said, holy smoke, that's a weird coincidence because Rilke is going to be real, is going to be important to the, the last episodes of Relativity. Oh, yeah. And um, I thought, that's, it, it, we're entering the weird zone now that we're not just writing <laughs> shows that overlap in some interesting ways, but we're talking about the same poets. So, um, yeah, so, so maybe talk more about that, about uh, how, where, how, how poetry relates to your, to your work and your thinking, maybe even process or. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I wrote poetry probably before anything else. I wrote poetry like back in high school and even before that, that was sort of my first emergence as a writer and always like reading it has been really important to me as well. And I think I was looking again for something to um, establish the personal connection between Roger and Alex. Yeah. And I came up with the conceit that Alex has sent Roger this book of poetry that's really important to him, which, of course, is a magical anthology that has all of my favorite poems in it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you were the editor of this anthology. Obviously, I was. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was something where um, I wanted to establish a little more magic i guess in their relationship mm -hmm. in a way that only poetry really brings and it gave me a chance to share some of my favorite pieces and i think i had always as well been planning on this build up to the final episode where roger has sort of gotten way too personally involved with the ancient mariner and so i wanted to wanted that to not come out of nowhere either i wanted it to be an established thing between them that poetry was part of what linked them together you know, and that's I, going to continue and to, to some point like not as as much but it's going to continue at some point in the second season as well we're going to hear a little more of that i just think it's a lovely conceit i, I love the idea that this is a, the gift that alex would send to him and if i remember right roger is at first he's kind of not sure what to make of it it's like really um yeah um okay i think in the timeline that he's gotten it not too long before, like all of a sudden things start go awry and he finds out that there's going to be this like shutdown sequence. But one of the things that we delve deeper into in season two as well is sort of the, um, the more 
complicated relationship that he and Alex have had. And so mm. it was something of a um, olive branch from Alex as well. Mm. So it's gonna, I think it's going to factor into that a lot. There are a lot of um, little things like that where um, one of the um, really wonderful things about writing a continuing series like this is that I can drop things in later on and make people think that I was always working up to them. Yes. So I came up with that. Um, I think when I was writing the bonus episodes of the end of season one, I came up with the idea that um, Alex had sent him that book of poetry specifically as sort of a pacifying thing. Hmm. And then and then I started thinking about, well, what was going wrong with their relationship then? And that's a pretty huge part of what we talk about in season two. It's all oh, that. OK, that's that's very, very interesting. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. So I'm glad I don't have to wait very long. It's get true. started on that and you're gonna you're gonna put these out like once a week or um it's gonna be every two weeks every just two because weeks. um i'm sort of matching the same schedule there are 10 episodes in the second season still going over the same 20 20 week um sequence so i'm gonna release one every two weeks um they are gonna be longer as well they're gonna be about three times the length of the original season episodes because they're focusing on three characters each time so Hmm. It's still primarily going to be monologue driven, but it's going to be Ron, Roger in each episode and then two other like rotating members of the of the crew and then Alex at home. Interesting. So we are going to hear from Alex. Then. Oh, we definitely are. We'll hear from Alex in the very first episode. Spoiler. OK, <laughs> cool. Well, I, it suddenly strikes me that you and I are then we're setting out to do the same thing at the same time on the same schedule. That means I should try to alternate weeks with you. So, so people can have a moon base one week and a relativity the next. I wondered whether or not you um, expanded to 20 episodes in part so that you would like cover the entire length of time until um, the live show we're doing next spring. That really is one of the reasons. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm glad to say the main thing is that just so many people said, no, it can't just be 10 more episodes. And I thought, yeah, but I know how it ends. I mean, and we're headed that way. I get, well, you know, maybe. Hmm. That's fair. And that's, that was <laughs> so actually I, one of the questions I had for you. And um, uh, I don't think this will touch on a spoiler or anything. I was wondering if the expansion from 10 to 20 episodes was adding a ton more material or just like wanting to go into the story you have planned out in more depth. Oh, what an excellent question. I have been, I have learned so much in writing these, this massive pile of scripts. Uh, these <laughs> I 20 just episodes. saw those pictures you posted yeah. on Discord. <laughs> I was hoping you had, yeah. Um, because uh, once I really started getting care, uh, uh, very uh, detailed about outlining each of these episodes, I realized that I was a fool to think I could get to where I wanted to go in 10 episodes. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking because there was, there was so much ground to cover. Um, and, and that still left me room. I just, I, I, I know you must have the same experience because we're both, we're, we've been talking about planners and pantsers, right? And uh, yeah. you, you and I are clearly both planners. We got to write the season in advance and so on. Yeah, Absolutely. But I have, I have always known what was going to happen in the last episode. And just a few days ago, I realized I literally woke up and my first thought that morning was, you know, I could do X. I'm not going to say what it was in that last episode. I could. Should I do that? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. And it's a nasty twist and people are going to hate me. <laughs> I have a few of those planned as well. 
Oh, good. Oh, good. I, it's it's fun for us to pretend, you know, to to play the game that we are we're angry at these people who have made us feel something, but um, no, it's it's really the job of serial drama, and I I, I tell my my students this because because they they sometimes they want to resist the idea of having bad things happen to our good people and i see no i i understand the impulse and it's good that you feel that way that's empathy yeah. you know that's good but our job as people writing serial drama is to get people on board with your characters and then make terrible things happen to these people <laughs> i'm sorry but it's true that's what's supposed to happen so well i honestly think that um and you can sort of um, gloss over it and be like, oh, well, it's just something you learn as you mature as a writer. But I think it's more of you, it's something you learn as you can, as you learn to connect with your audience that you mm. find out that it's important to an audience to see this entire journey. And so they want to they don't necessarily want to see people suffer, but they want to see the entire arc. They want to see that the reasons they suffered and what it brought them to. Well, that's right. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a not only a keen insight, but a very good way of putting it that. We, we know that everything isn't always fine for everybody. And so a story in which everything always works out well for people ends up not being interesting. There's yeah. we, Because we know that's not, the listener says, that's not what my life is like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you start resenting these people for, I remember as a kid, just as a kid, that there was a point at which I turned around on Superman. I just started reading the comics and thinking, you're really annoying, you know that? <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard. It's a really difficult character to sympathize with because, I mean, everything, like, rolls off his back. Yeah. I said, well, I, I, I wish I could do that. That sounds great. Yeah. And after a while, you could like see it in the, in the story writing, too, because the new writer would come on and be like, okay, so how can we take away his powers for a while? Yes, right. Well, yeah, and as early as the, yeah, uh, when, when did they introduce Kryptonite? I know it first showed up on the radio show because there was the radio writers who had the the good sense yeah. to point out that you do need to kick his legs out from under him every now and then, or you're, <laughs> you can't go anywhere. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we, we have to do <laughs> our, our characters start out with feet of clay though. I think it's <laughs> what's fun about that. Um, you mentioned the live show. Let's talk about that because uh, sure. I am super excited about, uh, going to be in the same room with you. And, uh, that's cool. Cause we got to come from, uh, both got to come from, uh, far, far away to go to Seattle. And, um, April 25th, people, it's going to be Moonbase Theta out and Relativity and Girl in Space and Sage and Savant and Oz9 and Ninth World, Ninth Journal. World Journal. So we're all going to be there. Um, Our good friend although, David Estier, who has been on practically every show, I think, in audio drama at this point. <laughs> oh, OK. OK. The heat is on. I've got to find something for him to do in Relativity I, then. Yeah, I think you do. Uh, yeah, it's I true. I've well, wound, I, I wound up writing him an entire episode now, so because he's the uh, star of our of our um, podcast month episode. Yeah, I'd read about that, so I yeah, um, he he just has such a marvelous, marvelous voice, and uh, oh, he does. He's just, just amazing. Well, and so does Lehman. We should talk about we should talk about him. Oh yes, we definitely too. should. Lehman is my just the heart and soul of the show for me in so many ways. Um, I, I was talking I'll, to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um. I just wanted to, to frame for the audience's sake, for people who may not know the show, we, all of the other shows I mentioned, uh, the creators are also the lead voice on the show and you're not Roger. No, so, um, although you have a fine voice, you know, you could do whatever <laughs> you want, but, uh, but yeah, you're, you're, I guess you're the only one of these shows that has another actor 
as doing your lead. So, yeah, so tell us about... about uh... Yeah, I think it was something, um, honestly, and again, I came into this not knowing anything about how people traditionally did audio drama. I didn't know other people were doing it other than a few, like, sore, still sore more of sort of like old-timey radio type things. But... Um, I came to it again from my playwright thing where I had learned a long time ago that it was better for me as a writer to write the script and then get the hell out of the way Mm. (laughs) that it was, I was never, I mean, I've done a lot of acting and I've enjoyed myself, but one of the things about being in touch with really talented actors was that I knew I wasn't that. And so, (laughs) um, I had worked with Lehman for years in theater. He, um, he lived up here when we started the company, um, he moved to, back to Ohio a few years ago um, where he went to university where his wife is a minister at the school where they went to together now. Nice. But um, but yeah, so he was here. He was in our very first um, Monkey Man production. He did shows with us for pretty much the entire time that we were doing stage shows. And he was the first person I thought of when I wrote it. Mm. I was like, he's just got this presence that, I mean, I've very there aren't many performers I've met who can really, who I, I jive with so well. Like we just seem to be constantly on the same level and he just, he can go from comic to tragic on the turn of a dime. Yes. It's, I'm just, I hear his voice in my head when I write now and it's just the most wonderful thing. Yeah. I'm, I have the same relationship with uh, Elena Jordan. I, 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 I know what it's going to sound like as I'm writing it because I hear her voice that clearly in my head when I'm writing dialogue for her, I, I know what it's going to sound like. Um, and I was actually, um, really spoiled. Um, when I started writing stuff for se- season two and I cast other actors, I wasn't expecting to have to explain much to them. <laughs> I thought, right, Oh, yeah. well, obviously, obviously my uh, dialogue is pretty straightforward and no one needs much explanation. They just like know how to read it. And that's not necessarily true. Turns out it's that just, was just Lehman. I have done this yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're so right. He has, he, 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 he so clearly inhabits the character that he's able to communicate with nothing but his voice that he's there. He's living this experience. It's happening to him now as he's talking about it. And there's yeah. always that immediacy and that nuance and that subtlety of expression. And you're right. He can turn it on a dime. And so that frees you as the writer to know that you can ask him to do that. Absolutely. So, like, it's, it's just been such a gift. It's so liberating. But so he's going to be there it, with us in, in April, yeah? He will not be there, unfortunately. That's what I... Um, Again, because of the, um, his wife is a minister and is always busy on weekends. And yeah. they have two small children who require caretaking. So it's difficult for him to get away. Hey, bring him along to this bar that we're doing the show in. <laughs> but when I do actually write something for it, which has to be somewhere on my calendar, um, yeah. I'm going to definitely like need some sort of presence there. I can't imagine people are going to be satisfied without at least hearing a bit of Roger in the performance. So, yeah. But no, we're, we're going to have um, Tina Daniels there, who does Wilder. Um, she was the second main cast member that I brought in because she's in the um, bonus episode at the end of season one. And she was the first natural replacement I thought of when Lehman wasn't able to go. I, that's very logical. And and you had teased, I guess, when we've been talking about it on uh, Discord, that um, you're going to you're going to somehow bring Roger on tape. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want him involved in it somehow. I haven't come up with a, um idea for an episode yet, but when I do... 
I'm sure he'll be involved. And I mean, there'll be other people there who have been involved in the show as well. Like David obviously will be there and mm, I could bring true. his character if I wanted to. That's right. Um, who knows who else I may have brought in by that point. Yeah. I have some, um, some other guest stars for season two that I haven't revealed yet. I um, came out and sort of told people about the people who are in our podcast month episode, but I have a few other special voices coming in later in the season. So cool. Well, you know, I stand ready to jump in and do whatever you need me to do. So <laughs> I thought about, I honestly thought about um, asking you to do um, a part that I had written for the, encl- the enclave officer back on earth, but then I decided to record it myself. So yeah, you can't be the convenience of you. Yeah. No, that's, that's, you know, that's the number one reason why I'm Chris is because I always know where I am. And I, that's true. I don't, but you do such a wonderful job with it too. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I have, uh, I I have nine years of, of training as an actor and at the end of which I decided I wanted to be a playwright. So, um, that's almost exactly how I started. That's so cool. And and, and although I know we're not alone. Although I started as an actor and found out that I couldn't move anywhere near well enough, um, I started as um, an acting student at Clarion University in Pennsylvania, the little school I went to, and I was doing fine in my acting classes. I was doing fine with like script reading and everything, but you had to take Dance 1 and Dance 2 and pass them both. Yep. I took, I took Dance 1 and worked my ass off every day all semester mm-hmm. and barely got a C. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm passing Dance 2. Yeah. Boy, that's boy. Have we got a lot to talk about off mic? Yeah, because <laughs> that, that no, that was my experience too. It was we did we did ballet and jazz. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I had two years of ballet. Uh, yeah, and, and of course I'm hopeless. I, I never, I never, I never wanted to be a <laughs> a ballet dancer, but I understood why it was important to our training. As oh, absolutely. Actors. But but yeah, I'm hopeless. It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. And so I was getting graded on that. I said, well, this isn't, I never pretended like this is a talent that I had. I should, you know, ah, of course, of course I'm doing C work in here. <laughs> so no. And that, that really was one of the reasons is that, you know, as you know, that what, what, um, what the working actor world wants now is the triple threat. If you're a great Absolutely. actor and singer and dancer, then you're, you're in business maybe. <laughs> but yeah, with all of the like millions of other people who have the same level. Of exactly. Talent. Right. And are prettier than you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I have so seized on this uh, remark of uh, Orson Welles is that I just think puts, puts the finger right on it. He said, the camera is your judge. The microphone is your friend. <laughs> Man, do I think that's true. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm so much a better actor before the microphone because I, I feel like I'm, unha- I'm, I'm unfettered by my physical body to... Yeah, to borrow a line from Star Trek. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's true for the entire form. Like, I feel like we're, as much as I talk about um, having come from the theatrical tradition and still kind of thinking that way, being able to create an entire universe that isn't limited in any way to being able to see it is so freeing. We can do whatever we want. It's, yeah. Like, I mean, everything that you talk about, like, from, like, the very first moment that Chris goes outside the ship and just looks out into the universe. Right. There's there's no way you could pop, properly represent that visually. No, no, everybody's like, going to no matter what you showed, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, no matter what you showed, it would limit it would limit it to a certain portion of your audience that believed that. That's right. Yeah, I would never want to 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 nail that down. 
and say, no, this is what it looks like. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, instead it lives in the mind of every person who's, yeah. And everybody's got a different idea of what uh, Roger and Alex look like. And yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's just wonderful. I love, love fan art. I'm just now starting, uh, to get people drawing these characters. And I, I love that so much. So, <laughs> yeah, we've just had a couple and it's really, really kind of amusing to so me. Really, uh, yeah. I, <clears throat> um, I, I did, that's a, this is sort of a parallel thought, but I, I love your emission patch with the tardigrade on it. I have that sticker on my, my <laughs> microphone case. So I thought uh, you would like it to sort of in line with so much of the, like, quick Jeffney art that you've done before. That's right. Yeah, it does. It goes nicely with my other mission patches. <laughs> it's the only one. It's the only one with a water bear on it though, but yeah, it's such fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was fun when my, um, my friend Ella and I, when we first were talking about it, I sent her all of these like pieces of, um, NASA patches and Russian like space patches and stuff. And just sort of, she definitely sort of nailed that feel to it. It's, it's immediately clear what it is. Apparently, this is the project. You know, <laughs> it's about water bears. Um, I I started to interrupt you a minute ago just because I wanted, for sake of clarity, you've said a couple of times we and the company, and what you're meaning by that is Monkey Man Productions. Yes. Uh, is that still a well? Obviously, that's still a going entity because uh, that's um. That's, yeah, it's that's where your website lives and everything. So. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, we started in 2008, and there were four founding members. Eventually, we swelled to about 10 or 12 company members, and then eventually it dwindled again. And at this point, it's primarily me and anyone I'm collaborating with at the time. Yeah. But but it's still sort of been a way for me to keep that concern alive, too. Like, I don't want to. Um, there's so much for me packed into that company name that I don't want to let it go. Oh, no, I, yeah. I have regretted uh, over the years um, tying myself to the name Shackelford Freelance because that's a lot of letters uh, <laughs> just to write out. But I guess Monkey Man Productions is too. But it I'm is just always there's spelling a the, it out. There, there's a point at which it's a little bit um, sort of gender specific as well. But now that it's more tied to me personally, <laughs> I don't mind that as much. And plus, I'd always I'd always done it for the Douglas Adams reference of it anyway. That's it's right. The, it's the the insult that um, Zaphod always hurls. Yes, at so he's calling him Monkey Man. Isn't that yeah. funny that I hadn't connected that? But yeah, that's right. Which makes you wonder what's up the evolutionary tree of uh, Zaphod and Ford. That <laughs> yeah, they're obviously not ape descended. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, humans rarely invite their ancestors around for dinner. Which is kind of I, amusing too. Uh, it's, um, and of course, like you definitely, you, I mean, you had to talk about it with Shannon, but like how many of us have like just Douglas Adams in our oh, uh, DNA, so to speak. DNA. Yes. And well, you may have heard me say this to Shannon, but as I said, down to write these episodes, episodes 41 through 60, I rolled up through my, you know, through my, uh, template and realized that I was about to write episode 42 and I thought oh boy I gotta do something here <laughs> episode 42 I didn't I didn't think I was gonna be here uh, <laughs> what can I do in episode 42 and so I have several little shout outs that I know you will get and maybe not everybody else but uh, but and I, I actually did change the little um, I'll go ahead and say this I did change our closing announcement to add a little thank you and say this episode is dedicated to the memory of, of Douglas Adams, who was doing outer space audio drama before any of the rest of us. 
Absolutely. And uh, I, or audio fiction, I guess I said, <laughs> but because um, there were a lot of other outer space dramas, but who was doing outer space comedy? No, that's true. Or Hitchhiker. I just don't think. <laughs> no, it was Caboolian. Um, yeah. So, but I, I wanted to get back to the live show, uh, which probably would be yeah. a good place to wrap up here. Um, for people who don't know, and if you don't know, what have you been doing? What rock have you been living <laughs> under? Uh, we're about to start the big publicity push, so uh, so you're, you're still getting pieces of this. But yeah, we are going to do this live presentation of six, count them, six uh, sci-fi uh, audio fiction podcasts. Yeah, in so you've got to like at least one or two of them. Even if you even if you don't like relativity and you don't like a moon-based day out, come on, you can still show up. Right. Yeah, there's going to be Who, lots of drinks. It's in a bar. It's in yeah. a bar. Who doesn't love Oz 9? I mean, come on. Exactly. Right. Just get loaded and hang on for Oz 9, and you'll get to it eventually, <laughs> and it'll be okay. But that's um, what we should really do. We should all sort of like try to play to that one audience, and each of our shows try to like edge it closer to Oz 9. <laughs> See how Oz 9, we can make our shows. But, well, you know, we've been trying to figure out what the if there should be a common thread to our six – because we're we're creating original content for this people. Yeah, yeah. Because we're um, reading like, the new episodes for it and everything. So yeah, um, trying to figure out. And you and I are the ones with a continuity. Well, uh, Ninth World Journal. Ha- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I you know January can certainly you know have an unrecorded yeah, adventure. Anywhere. Yeah, but uh, although he's uh, all of a sudden, I don't know if you listened to his new episode for I mean his his season two opener, but just came out today. But, yes, that's right. But yeah. oh my goodness, just it just like opens the universe in a huge way. I I actually have not yet had a chance to listen to it, so yeah, cool. Without, okay, without spoil without spoiling anything, it just sort of like takes steps that I didn't have any idea were coming. So interesting, yeah. A limitless imagination, that man. Absolutely. Uh, so, but yeah, so, so I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could do to pull our shows together in the live show. And for people who are listening to this, who are saying, "Well, I can't go to Seattle in the in on April 25th, 2020," <laughs> uh, you know, that's not fair. We we are talking about whether or not we want to try to record this and put it out later as we're calling this collectively calling it Wi-Fi sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, and if you like that name, thank you. Cause that's already my trademark. So yeah. outstanding. Um, if, if you like that name, you have to pay us to use it. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we're, you know, we're wondering, do we want to do Wi-Fi sci-fi, the live album? And that's, uh, you know, something that will, uh, <laughs> Uh, obviously, uh, patrons and so on, we get that first and that kind of thing. So we've also talked about creating yet more um, yeah, don't new content. <laughs> right. I don't know how I'm going to do this either, but I really like the idea. Oh, but yeah. yeah to, to do this is something that you can um, get as a premium if you join a Kickstarter that we're going to do to try to raise money. To get some of us who live in places like Toronto and North Carolina up to Washington State. Um, yeah. So uh, th- uh, that kind of thing. So I, I really love the idea of, of uh, we've been talking about a flash drive that says Wi-Fi Sci-Fi on it. And it would have these six episodes on it that were created just for you. Um, and yeah, they wouldn't exist anywhere else. Little like 10 minute or what, 12 minutes, something like that episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that would only so, be on there. As much as as much as I like cringe at that idea, I'm gonna play along. Well, we we talked about <laughs> that being something that only exists until after the show is over, and then maybe we can do other things with that recording. Yeah, you know. But but I I always think the jewel is going to be you were the one who got it in a fit in a tangible form. You've got that flash drive. Yeah. And it's, and it's got the episodes on it, you know, cause as soon as it's just going to be some yo-yo who gets it and, and, you know, takes the date off it and puts it on the internet somewhere, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that always happens. So probably you know, someone we know, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so, um, anyway, that's, that's the yeah, plan. That's going to be exciting. You can find, I'm sure that the first place to find more information about all of it will be on the, um, podcast junkie discord. Cause that's where we always talk about everything first. Yes. And they are, of course, like the mods and founders of that Discord are helping us put everything together as well. So, Oh, boy. They, they've just been terrific about this. And um, it would be easy to say that they just don't have a dog in the fight. But, um, but they're going to be there and cheering us on. And they're kind of making it happen. So yeah. um, they've given us a great place to talk about it. But, um, DJ, one of the things I'm looking forward to most about this is just meeting you in live and in person and seeing you there. And yeah, I know that, um, Shannon was talking as well about how, how much she just wants to like sit down with everyone and just have a like huge chat about writing these things. Yes. Yes. Will we have time to just get the six, eight, ten of us <laughs> away somewhere? And although it sounds like most of us are going to have a chance to do that at pod tales as well. That's true. I, I, uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're, um, you and I are going to be there and Shannon's going to Shannon be, be there. Yeah. I don't, I don't think David's going, but no, he was thinking about it, and uh, yeah, and that that's going on cross country for him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah sure. you you, you got to go south, and I got to go north. That is in <laughs> Cambridge, right? Yeah, it's Cambridge, Cambridge Massachusetts, um, and it is October twentieth. Thank you. Yes, October twentieth. Pod Tales, the first ever Pod Tales. This is an experiment, and. Um, Golly, they've just started posting the roster of people who are going to be there. And I just read through them and go, oh, I can't believe it. I can't. I'm going <laughs> to. I know. It's just like, well, and I was I was um, hanging out yesterday with, um, I think I mentioned earlier, with Sean and Eli from uh -huh. Alba Salix and other bothers. And, and we were talk, talking a little bit about it because, of course, Sean is one of the sort of guests of honor. And um, I said, even if it's just like all of us, like even if there's no like walk in an audience at all, if it was just all of us just sitting there chatting together, that would be absolutely ideal. You know, that's true. Yeah. Just we're, just we're, to have the chance to meet all these people in person. Like, yeah, that's right. Maybe we don't like, want a bunch of other people hanging around. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just excited to um, after adding um, Tozum on to my show for season two, getting to meet them in person is just going to be amazing. DJ, if people want to find you and find out more about uh, Moonbase Theta Out, where do they go? What do they do? Uh, primarily, you can go to our website, which is monkeymanproductions.com, but primarily you'll find us on Twitter. It's monkeymanprod, which sometimes I regret, <laughs> um, is our main <laughs> account. And we have a um, Moonbase Theta Out account as well, but that's mostly just for episode releases. But yeah, either of those places is where you're going to find me more often than anything else. Groovy. And of course, you can get the show wherever you find your podcasts. Absolutely. So it's been yes, great I talking have. to you. It has. It's really a wonderful chance to catch up and hear your thoughts and sort of have this mutual admiration society going again. <laughs> I am a big, big fan of Moonbase Theta Out and can't wait, can't wait for the next couple of weeks so I can hear 
the beginning of season two. The new and improved Moonbase thing. <laughs> so you can hate me like everyone else will at exactly. that point. Exactly. <laughs> Damn you, DJ. Make me feel things. Well, you have a lovely night there. You too. Have a great one. <laughs> <laughs>